All right, third grade. I was with my buddies at school. We're out at the recess field, and we played King of the Hill. Who's played King of the Hill? Anybody ever played King of the Hill? Okay, good. Some of you guys have. At the 6 o'clock, only the old people knew what King of the Hill was. I thought that was so pathetic. But some of you youngsters have played it. That's a good thing. It's basically where you find some sort of a hill. You then fight to stay the king of it. You push, you kick, you do whatever you got to do to knock your friends and enemies down the hill, and you stay on top. And as long as you're on top, you are king of the hill. If you get knocked down, someone else is king of the hill, and it's just this battle that goes on and on. So third grade, playing king of the hill, me and my buddy Devinder, we're up fighting, getting going, and eventually it got kind of serious between me and him. Um, I got into my first real fight, third grade, right? And so me and him are going back and forth. He's actually, I still remember, he actually at one point had my head like, like in a headlock, and he's just like, boom, boom, hit me in the head. And I was like, dang, but you should see him. I won't say anything more than that, okay? But I remember walking away that day, and I had some pretty severe shiners on my forehead from getting punched in the head. And I knew I had to go to my dad's office after school. And so I'm thinking all day, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? So I go to my dad's office, and I walk in, and uh, he looks at me, and he goes, Doug, what happened to your head? And he's, he was a youth pastor, so he's sitting there with a whole bunch of youth group kids, and one of the youth group kids is kind of looking in, he's kind of, you know, showing me he's in on this conversation with me, and he, I felt like he had my back a little bit, you know, and, and so I came out with what happened. Now, what I did here was, of course, I didn't tell the truth, all right? I was a third grader, right? And so the ordinary response in ordinary life When you got in trouble, when something's about to get you in trouble, is to lie to cover it over. So I said to him, well, Dad, and I had all day to come up with this, and this is my best shot. I was only in third grade. But what I said was, Dad, this morning I was brushing my hair, and I think a few times I hit myself in the head. (laughs) That was my response. And then the guy who I, the kid who I kind of sensed was in on the conversation, he like looked at my dad. He's like, yeah, man, I could see that happening. You know, and I was like, thank you. You know, I appreciate that. And then my dad looked at him, rolled his eyes, then looked at me, and I knew I was busted. Now, I don't remember exactly what the punishment was because my dad was a man of faith, and I think he knew that eventually God would punish me for what I had done. And all I have to say is I think this is what happens to people who lie about combing their hair. Now, why, why, why was that situation going down that way? It was going down that way because, again, ordinary life. Half of you guys knew that as soon as, As I had to cover up what had happened, I was going to tell a lie. Why? Because that's what you would have done. Because in ordinary life, normally, we have an ordinary response. We normally respond to ordinary life, ordinary problems, ordinary issues in ordinary ways. And life is full of opportunities to get us in trouble, isn't it? Life is full of ordinary opportunities, ordinary problems, ordinary issues. And we normally respond to those things in ordinary ways. Now, the thing about God is, God's interesting, because God, although some may say something a little bit different than this, I think if you read the Bible, what you find out is God isn't so much concerned about protecting us from every little issue and every little problem. He's not an overprotective dad, okay? Um, My son, Cade, plays baseball. He's nine years old, and last last year, in one of the eight-year-old leagues, Every time we played this one team, there was this crazy overprotective dad in the stands. And I actually all week have been afraid he'd be in the service while I tell the story and throw something at me. But that's all right. If you're here, get over it. Anyway, um, so I, uh, I'm kidding. We're really glad that you're here. Welcome. Thanks for being our guest. 
Wonderful to have you. Jesus loves you. Um, and so overprotective dad sitting in the stands. And what would happen is he had two helmets for his son, right? There was the batting helmet, then there was the base running helmet. And the batting helmet was ginormous, right? He'd put it on his son. It was bigger than the kid. This thing could withstand a nuclear blast. Like, like everything around would die, but this kid's head, he'd be like mutant nuclear head living in this helmet, you know, because it was so big. And I remember the one time carrying this huge weight on his head, he was actually able to maneuver his body to hit the ball and run toward first base. He got down there, and he got to first base. And by the time he got to first base, his dad was by first base, running out of the stands with the running base helmet. Johnny, Johnny, here's your helmet, you know? And so he took the nuclear mutant helmet off and put on the running base helmet. And I just remember wanting to beat the, I mean, uh, witness to those people. Um, and uh, again, if you're here, God loves you. <laughs> but God isn't that dad. God isn't that dad. God's not that dad who sits on the sidelines and he's, oh, oh is he going to skin his knee? Is he going to? No, see, God, listen, this is really important. God isn't so much worried about protecting us from every little issue and every little problem. What he's more interested in is changing how we respond to every little issue and every little problem. Because normally, you and I respond to ordinary life in ordinary ways. I'll give you some examples. How do we respond? Well, it's a struggle in my life, maybe to be jealous or fearful or angry, right? So how do you and I usually respond to things like that? Well, one thing we might do is we might justify it, right? Okay, yeah, I'm jealous. Of course I'm jealous because I went through this and, and, and so that's just the way it is and I have every right to be jealous. And it's like, well, go you. Be miserable in your jealousy then. Enjoy that, you know? Or fear, like, of course I'm fearful because... Did you see how that person treated me, right? And so, yes, I'm fearful. I went through this situation. You'd be fearful too, so that you, we justify it, right? Another thing we do is we blame shift. A lot of us do this, right? I, of course I'm jealous. Did you see how that person acted? If they acted like that in your life, you would too. But, but it's her fault. It's his fault that I'm jealous, right? That's an re- ordinary response to an ordinary life problem. Another thing we like to do is just try harder, Right? Don't we all try? I mean, especially Christians, we're notorious for this, right? I spent a lot of my life trying harder. You know, oh, I'm just not going to be jealous anymore. I'm not going to be angry anymore. And then he walks in the room and it's like, oh, I'm angry still. You know, that didn't work so well, right? Because what happens is our ordinary responses don't work. Our ordinary responses don't get us extraordinary results. You see, we need to try something different. Einstein is credited for saying this, that the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. Definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. And you know what? You and I so often do that. We think, okay, I have an ordinary life problem. If I just respond ordinarily over and over and over and over and over again, if I respond enough times this way toward my jealousy or my anger or my pride, if I can do that enough times, it'll get me to an extraordinary result. But we all know that's not true. Because if you do the same thing over and over again, you end up with the same result, right? Because when we respond to ordinary problems with ordinary reactions, we get ordinary results. Doing the same thing over and over again doesn't change anything if you only have an ordinary response in the first place. 
on Friday night after the green room, our leadership team always goes out and we get... Uh, we go over to Chili's and take over the place and eat there. And uh, sometimes some of the high school students come with us. And this past week, our buddy Lacey, I don't know, she's somewhere around here, and she came with us, and she was there hanging out. And, and, and it was so funny because I'm sitting at the table, and all of a sudden I hear this cry, like, no. And I look over, I'm like, what's the matter, Lacey? I thought something terrible happened. You know, got some terrible text. She's like, my phone battery died. I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> so phone battery died, right? And then for the, for the next few minutes, oh, there you are. Hi, buddy. The next few minutes, I was trying to find her. She's a tall girl. She's sinking lower. Um, I'm trying to find her. So for the next few minutes, she's, she's pressing the power button over and over and over and over. And I, start, I started laughing. And you can ask her later. I said, Lacey, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to use you in my message Sunday night. Because you are pressing that button over and over again. And Einstein said that when you do the same thing, over and over, inspect different results. That's called insanity. And so all throughout the meal, she'd be like eating, you know, and then she'd like grab her phone and start doing it. And I'd be like, insanity, you know, <laughs> shut up, you know. So we went back, at, right? But that's so often what you and I do. We do the same thing, the same ordinary thing over and over again. And it's like, why am I still jealous? Why am I still angry? Why am I still proud? Why am I still lustful? It's because we're trying the same thing and it hasn't worked. You know what? If you're a follower of Jesus, and I know, I, actually, I met a pastor earlier here that's here tonight. I met some of you guys who are, you've been Christians longer than I have. You know more about the Bible than I do, but you know what's true of all of us? No matter how far along in our relationship with God we are, all of us still have some unresolved issues in our lives, don't we? We, we all have some struggles. We all have some problems that we're trying to get past that we don't quite know how to get there. It doesn't matter how mature or immature you are in your faith. We all have that same thing in common. There's something we're trying to grow in. There's something we're trying to get past. There's something we want an extraordinary result in. And you know what? If you're not a follower of Jesus at all, that's true of you too, isn't it? There's something in your life that's been struggle, a struggle for you. You've been tripping over for a long time and you want to change and you've tried the justify thing and the blame thing and the, I'm going to just change myself thing and it hasn't worked. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe, God is wanting all of us to give him our attention for a minute. You know, he's, he's not going to run out on the field and give Johnny his helmet. He's not, he's not coming after you with your helmet, try to protect you. I think he's just waiting patiently, lovingly for us to say, okay, God, we're done with ordinary results. We want something extraordinary. We're done with ordinary responses that lead to ordinary results. We want extraordinary responses that will lead to extraordinary results and growth and change. And so tonight we're going to talk about how we get that. And this message is the first of a several part series and it's the, basically the foundation for it. And so we are going to really do foundation tonight and next week we're going to get very practical with some very, uh, you know, I think common struggles that you and I can have. But tonight I hope you will leave Really going, oh, that's how I'm supposed to handle this. That's how I'm going to grow. That's how I'm going to get past this. Now I know what to do. Now I know where to look. Now I know where my hope is. And so we're going to look at Psalm 119. It's a famous psalm. And we're going to read what this guy, the guy who wrote this psalm, his answer was. What was it in his life that helped him get extraordinary results? What was it that got him past some of the struggles in his life? And Psalm 119 verse 129 says this. It says, your statutes are wonderful, wonderful, therefore I obey them. Now this is the guy who wrote this psalm. We actually don't know who wrote this psalm. But he wrote this psalm. He's talking to God. And what he's saying is, God, 
I think your statutes or your commands or your words, I think they're wonderful. And therefore I obey them. And so this guy's saying, okay, I'm excited about God's word. I think it's wonderful. I don't know about you. I don't use the word wonderful all that much. You know, like that's kind of reserved for some pretty over-the-top things. Like I've never been eating a sandwich. Somebody said, how is that? I was like, wonderful, right? I just, that's reserved. Okay, I'm gonna hang on to wonderful. I'll, I'll let that out a little bit later when it's something that is wonderful, right? That's gonna make me sit there and, and be in wonder. And the psalmist says, look, your, your statutes, your laws, your rules, your commands, they're wonderful. And listen, this is so important. He says, therefore I obey them. You know what he's saying? He's saying, not, I obey your statutes or your laws or your commands, God, because I should. It's not what it says. It doesn't say, I, I obey your commands because through them I'll earn some love from you and you'll finally like me and I'll impress you and then maybe you'll think I'm worthy of saying, saving. Not what it says. It says, I'll obey them because they're wonderful. He's going, look, when I look at your word, God, when I look at the Bible, when I look at the words of God written down, I see something that is absolutely wonderful and that wonder makes me want to do what it says. Now, you might be saying, okay, well, why are they wonderful? Well, let's look at 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. The unfolding of your words gives light. Now, you gotta think about back in the day, right? I mean, this was written long before Jesus came, probably a thousand years before Jesus came. And so you gotta imagine the unfolding of your word. Well, they used to have, you know, all the scrolls, you know, rolled up and they had the, the, the word of God there and they'd have to unroll it, right? The unfolding, the unrolling, the unfolding of your word. In other words, when I open it up and when I read it, it gives light. So in other words, what he's saying for you and I today is, man, when I open up God's word, it lights everything up. It lights everything up. Well, what's light good for? Well, light helps you see things you can't see. You guys understand this concept, right? I mean, several years ago, I realized that my pool cover had fallen in during the winter. Evil thing, evil thing, right? Um, And so I went out in springtime and I took the cover off the top of the pool and I was like, oh my gosh, the, the water was completely black. It was terrible. If you guys want to come swim over later, that's fine. Um, and so I, 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 brooms and hoses and all kinds of stuff for several days, right? I'm, I'm just blind. I'm, I'm blind trying to clean. I'm getting leaves out. I'm getting sticks like small humans. You know, I'm just like, like everything out. I'm like what else is in there, you know? And I'm just going doing my thing, you know? And I still, I could not get the water clear, you know? So I gave Cade, my eight-year-old, a mask and I sent him. I'm just kidding. That's terrible, right? <laughs> you guys are like, oh my gosh. I actually sent my six-year-old in. Um, but once, once I finally got my hands on some shock, I shocked the water, and it was clear. And now what is happening? Well, the light now can reach the bottom of the pool. And when the light reaches the bottom of the pool, I see all the filth and all the dirt and the sticks and all the stuff in there that needs to get out. And you know what the psalmist is saying? He's saying, your word, when I unfold it, when I look at it, when I read it, it's like a light shining on my heart. And I can see now. I can see what needs to be done. I can see the dirt. I can see the stuff in there. I can see the jealousy for what it is. I can see why it's there. I can see how I need to get rid of it. Your word accomplishes that. And so the psalmist here, very early on, is saying, look, if you want supernatural results, if you want extraordinary results, the psalmist is hinting at, you better start opening up God's word. 
You better start looking at what his word has to say because when you open it, it acts like light and then you know what is going on in your heart. And that's a huge thing. I don't know about you, but light for me in my jealousy issues, that's huge. Light for me in my pride issues, that's tremendous because now I'm not just going blind. I'm not just like stuck like, oh man, I wish this would end. I wish this would change. I'm not justifying. I'm not blame shifting. I'm not just trying on my own strength. I'm going, all right, God, light it up. (laughs) Show me. I mean, David, one of the other psalmists said, search me and know me. Like search me, God. You know, shine a light on my heart and see what you find in there. The next part, he goes on to continue to tell us why God's word is amazing. He says, it gives understanding to the simple. Now, nobody thinks that verse is to them. Like, I'm not simple, right? Everyone's looking, oh, he's simple. Yeah, that, it gives understanding to him, right? But, but you know what? This is incredible. I wasn't pointing at you purposefully. <laughs> like, that guy right there is very simple. Um, it, it was another visitor that wants to kill me. Um, no, it gives understanding to the simple. That, that's actually a beautiful revelation because when you and I, when it comes to our hearts and the issues of our heart, and we go, okay, I think about my issues. I think about my sin struggles. I think about my pride or my lust or my anger or my jealousy or whatever it might be for you, my hate, my, you know, my fear, my doubt. I don't know about you, but I feel pretty simple when I, when I start to think about how to fix all that. I feel pretty naive. I feel pretty ordinary when I try to think about how do I deal with this pride issue? How do I deal with this anger issue? And what the psalmist is saying is, look, God's word, the Bible, opening it up, reading it, will give understanding to those things in your life, those areas, those struggles. So we found light and we have found understanding. Next part says, I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. That's Psalm 1, verse 131. Guys, I've been a pastor for a long time. I've never, ever had a conversation with somebody. I was like, yo, you know, how's your relationship with God going? And they're like, man, I tell you, I am just longing and panting for God's commands. You know, I've just been panting, you know? Like, I've never heard that, right? Why is that? I think one of the reasons that is, because we don't talk weird. But secondly, because so many of us don't really long all that much for God's word. But this guy's crazy about it. Why? Because he knows it gives light. And he goes, it gives understanding to the simple because it's wonderful. And because of all that, he follows through on it. He obeys it. He does what it says because he's going, look, I'm done with ordinary. I don't want to keep responding in ordinary ways and getting ordinary results. I want extraordinary. And God's here and the psalmist is here saying, okay, you want extraordinary? You want some extraordinary light? You want some extraordinary understanding? Because that's what you'll find in my word. And so this guy's going, man, I'm just hungry for it. He knows he's so ordinary and God's so extraordinary that he wants what God has to say. Verse 132 seems like it doesn't even belong in here, but it's so important that it is in here. It says, turn to me and have mercy on me as you always do to those who love your name. This is really important because we have to understand something. We have to understand that when you and I open up God's word, it's merciful for him to let us read even one verse. Like, we need like a paradigm shift. You see, you and I think we're doing God a favor normally when we open up the Bible, right? Like, I don't really want to. It's kind of boring. Like, I don't really get it, but I guess I should. That doesn't sound anything like what this guy's talking about, does it? 
This guy's going, I love it. I'm panting for it. It's wonderful. It brings light, gives understanding. And what we have to begin to understand is that anytime you open up the Bible and you can read something that God's trying to speak into your life, it's because of his mercy. Don't try to earn something from God by opening up the Bible, right? Like, like when you open up the Bible, God's not in heaven. Like, oh, Johnny opened the Bible today. Good. We'll give him a check. And Sally, Johnny and Sally, always the generic names. All right. Um, and so he's rather saying, look, I could give you light. I could give you understanding. I could help you see what's going on in your heart. I can help you know how to take a step to get that junk out. I can show you how I design things to work so that your heart can be whole. I guess that's my mercy. That's, that's, that's what God's saying to us. Don't open the Bible, do me a favor. Open the Bible because in it you find life. In it you find mercy from me. And so I want you to know that, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, that opening up the Bible isn't something we do to earn something from God. It's because he's merciful and he loves you and he wants your heart to be whole and he wants to show you how to get there. He wants you to have extraordinary results, not just ordinary ones. Verse 133, I think, sums up everything we're trying to say here. He says, direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. This is so important. That verse, the guy who wrote this verse is making a connection here. You know what the connection is? That when you open up God's word, sin will not rule over you. When you open up God's word, sin will not rule over you. The struggle, the pride, the lust, the jealousy, the fear, the anger, the things that so often do rule over us. He's connecting the dots here. He's saying when you open up the word of God, you're gonna see how to take steps to grow in those areas. You're gonna see what God speaks to about jealousy and fear and how to get past it. You're gonna see the extraordinary response that you could live out. And when you have an extraordinary response, you'll see extraordinary results. So what is the psalm saying? What am I trying to say? What's the foundation of this series? It all comes down to this. That for ordinary life, God's word has extraordinary answers. For ordinary life, and that's everybody in the room. We all live ordinary, same old, day in, day out lives with problems and heartbreak and ups and downs the most mature Christian in this room down to somebody who doesn't even believe in God, we have our struggles, right? And we can respond ordinarily. We can keep going the way we've been going our whole life. Or we can say, no, God, I'm tired of the ordinary. I'm tired of justifying, blame shifting, and trying to change myself. I want extraordinary results. And that's gonna take extraordinary results. Responses, And guess where you find those extraordinary responses? In God's word. Where you're able to see because of the light. Where you're able to understand because we're simple. We're able to realize like, it's the mercy of God that allows us to open up the Bible. And so what I want to challenge you guys to do this week, because next week, like I said, we're going to be very specific. In the next several weeks, I'm going to take one thing each week. And we're going to talk about things like jealousy and fear and anger. And we're going to say, okay, I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of tired of that stuff in my life. So what does God's word have to say about how to get past it? How do you get past jealousy? How do you get past fear? How do you get past anger? How do you deal with it? Because the ordinary responses just don't cut it, right? So what if God's word is so practical and so relevant that it speaks right to the heart of those issues? 
What if God's way works? What if when you look at his word and it begins to work in your life, you may actually begin to grow your faith and see like, wow, maybe if when God says handle jealousy this way and I do it and I start to change, maybe God's really there because maybe he knows what he's talking about. Maybe this is even evidence, like I talked about last week, that God is who he says he is and that Jesus did what he said he did because if this works in my life, then that's life-changing and supernatural and extraordinary. So what I want you to do, I want you this week to not settle for ordinary responses. And I've talked about jealousy and lust and anger and fear and all these kinds of things. I've thrown those things out. But you may be struggling with completely different stuff. It doesn't matter if I named it or not. I just want to ask you, this week, rather than responding with the ordinary response and getting the ordinary result, would you be willing to search God's word for what's going to speak to your heart, for what's going to shine light on your heart, on your specific struggle? And would you begin to apply what it says? So I'm asking you to do two things this week. Search for what God's word says about your struggle and then apply what it says. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm so tired of people knowing stuff about God but not applying it. I think we all know too much. If we could take a few steps back in our knowledge and start applying what we know, we would actually grow. And so please, don't just find an answer. Then apply it. Say, okay, this is what God's word says about fear or lust. Or Okay, I'm going to apply that strategy to my life and watch what begins to happen in your life. Apply it. Will it happen like this? Probably not. Will it be overnight? Probably not. But you'll begin, if you trust God, if you trust what his word has to say, you'll begin to see the change. Here's the interesting thing about a lot of the Christians in this room. We've trust Jesus with our eternity. Like here's what we believe, right? That we're saved not because of us. That we're saved not because we're so good. No, we're still needing a savior. We're saved because Jesus died and rose again, and that's it. End of conversation, right? So we've trusted our eternity to Jesus. And you know what we do so often? We hear, oh, God says this about lust. I don't know if that's going to work. Wait, you trust your eternity to God, but you don't trust that he wants to speak into your lust issue? You don't trust that following through with his way to overcome that will actually work, right? And so it's kind of crazy to trust him for the huge stuff and not trust him in the little day-by-day stuff. And so I just ask you guys, this week, I mean, it's never been easier in human history to be able to find what God's word has to say about something. There's an incredible invention called Google. I know, it'll blow your minds. It's amazing. G-O-O-G-L-E. It's incredible. You guys will discover this for yourself this week. Here's what I want you to do. You, you don't even have to own a Bible. You take some Bibles. We have Bibles in the lobby. You can take a Bible, okay? Please take one. But you don't even have to own a Bible to get on Google and type in, what does the Bible have to say about fear? What does the Bible have to say about lust? What does the Bible have to say about anger? And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would, include, I would ask you to play along. I would ask you to search it out. I mean, if there's a possibility that the extraordinary answer is there, and that God could help you get past your pride or your anger or your jealousy or your fear or whatever it is, wouldn't you want that? And maybe even that would start to show you that he's really there. That someone that can help you get over something you've been trying to get over your whole life and have failed at, and 
when you take his word and you begin to apply it to your life and you get over it, that must say something pretty powerful. And so I would encourage you, follower of Jesus, not follower of Jesus, wherever you are in the room, whatever's going on in your life, whatever your struggle is, whether I named it or not, I would challenge you and encourage you this week to search God's word out because, man, we're seeing something powerful tonight. That for ordinary life, God's word has extraordinary answers. And I want to be in on that. I want to see it in my own life. I have seen it in my own life, but I want to grow in this. So don't wait for next week. Some of you guys are going, okay, cool. We're going to talk about you know, this topic next week. Well, great. We'll dive in and, and I'll learn it then and I'll get past it then. No. You see, it's my job to help you guys not only go, okay, here's, let's talk about jealousy and here's how to get past it. It's also my job to help you guys Go loose on the Bible yourself and be able to apply it to your life yourself and know what it means to say, okay, this is my struggle right now. I'm going to look in the Bible for myself and learn how to grow. And so please, don't wait for next week. Don't wait for us to start tackling topics one by one. You know your struggle. Go this week and see what might happen. I have a friend uh, that I'm friends with on Twitter and real life. It's really weird. It's like this whole dichotomy. It's very strange, okay? It's like I don't even know how the world might explode, okay? Okay. Uh, but uh, I, he's been through some really, really hard things in his life. Very difficult things. Lost somebody very close to him. Um, just, just been through a lot. Continues to struggle in a lot of ways. And I noticed over the last several months, um, he doesn't live here anymore, but I noticed over the last several months that the stuff he would write was getting more and more depressed, more and more sad, more and more down, more and more angry, more and more hurt. And I thought about you know, reaching out to him. I just kind of prayed for him. And, and recently, last week actually, he wrote this on Twitter. He said, I read the Bible for serious for the first time in a while. He says, dang, did I need that more than anything? What was he saying? What was he saying? Saying, man, and I can just tell by all of his other tweets and all the other stuff he'd been writing, just angry, upset, unhappy, down, discouraged. That's all ordinary, ordinary. And then I see this extraordinary message. And I see it linked to him spending time in God's word. Because maybe, just maybe, for ordinary life, God has extraordinary answers. God's word, when you open it, has extraordinary answers. And when this guy, for serious, opened up the Bible, he experienced a little of that extraordinary. And you know what? I don't know that he's like this completely you know, transformed person. He's never going to ever struggle again. That's not true. That's not the way it works. But, but man, there was something tangible there, something real, something that's available to you and I every day. And so I challenge you this week, will you search out his word for what you need and for what I need? Would we search his word out? I mean, imagine if we became the people who stopped trying to mess around with the ordinary responses. Imagine if you and I became the people who began to respond with the extraordinary answers that we found in God's word. If you don't know how to read a Bible, you don't know where to start, we would love to give you one tonight. There's actually a little bookmark in the Bibles that we give away out there in the lobby. You can just take one for free. There's a little blurb in there that I wrote, kind of where to start and some questions to ask. And if you need to talk more, Come pull me out, you know, pull me aside or, or one of our other, you know, anybody you saw on stage or our prayer team later, any of that stuff. We would love to help you out with that. But man, in this day and age, there's so much available to us. And so I'd say take advantage of it. If it's going to be Google or it's going to be a Bible out there, a little phone, you know, phone app, use it and begin to apply what you find. And I think, guys, at the end of this series, we could really see some growth. 
we could really see we're starting to change because we're done trying to do it our way. And we're looking for the extraordinary that God offers. So for ordinary life, and that's every one of us, for ordinary life, God's word has extraordinary answers. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. I know there's all kinds of people in here, some that believe in you strongly, some that don't believe in you at all, some that already love your word, some that really you're bored by it. But God, I pray tonight that whether we're strong in our faith or we don't even have faith, that God, you would allow your words, the words that the psalmist wrote to motivate us to open up the word of God, to begin to find the answers, the extraordinary answers to our struggles. And so God, we just pray for your help right now. We ask you to do some great, great things in our hearts. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, what I want to ask you to do right now is I want you to think about your struggle or your struggles. And I want you to think about how you've been responding ordinarily. What's your ordinary response to your struggle? And if you're sitting here tonight going, man, I know it's lust, I know it's fear, I know it's anger, I know it's unforgiveness. Well, then what I'd encourage you to do is find the answers for those things. What is, what is God's word saying about that? Because there's hope there, man. There's life there. And so this week, will you commit to saying, all right, I'm going to spend some time looking into it and then applying it, taking what it says and living it out and asking God for his mercy and grace through it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you were here tonight. And I just hope you see how practical the Bible is. Maybe you don't believe everything it says about Jesus and, and maybe you're you know, struggling with a lot of questions and that's okay. But I hope you see how practical the Bible is, how it wants to speak into the very little details of your life and my life. And maybe you're not convinced in Jesus tonight and you're not quite sure if he's there. And I would just encourage you, keep coming back, keep checking him out. If you don't like this church, we'll help you find another one that you do like. But we would love to see you continue to search God out But tonight, if you heard me talk about a Savior who forgives sin, and you heard me talk about how our salvation isn't based on anything we do, and you want to respond to that, then I want to give you the chance now. So if that's you, would you just pray something like this, quietly in your heart. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of every sin, of every wrong thing I've ever done and will ever do. Thank you that this is a free gift. And so God, would you forgive me for all my shortcomings? And would you show me how real you are? And would you help me love your word? And I pray I'll see in time how much the Bible has to speak into my struggles and what a difference it can make. Thank you for this gift of salvation. Amen.